right, so we are moving into the last session, and uh, Jessica is passing out some uh, handouts for this last session, Real and Effective Accountability, Gospel, Community, and Discipline. Um, so I, uh, in the schedule, um, uh, I was slotted for 30 minutes earlier, and I did not obey, so I'm going to try and make up for it. <laughs> uh, I don't plan, anytime people schedule me for 30 minutes, I go, yeah, well, uh, I'm probably not going to do that. So, um, so I'm going to try and abbreviate some things on this uh, side. My City Hope folks are laughing, they know that, right? I never go 30 minutes, right? Um, and so uh, I'm going to try and abbreviate some things with this one, And so, uh, but thankfully you get a handout to help you with this. And, and so one of the things, uh, just to kind of set up this time, uh, this time, as we talk about real and effective accountability, uh, what's really important about this is I am not suggesting through this that um, most people should do this without professional help. Um, that's absolutely not what I'm suggesting. I, I think um, what Lori shared is really, really important, right? If you're in a car accident, you don't call your pastor and be like, hey, can you uh, fix my liver? It's like uh, all jacked up here, right? It's like <laughs> your pastor's going to be there to pray for you, and that's what we do. <laughs> uh, but there are professionals that fix your liver, right? And, and so the reality is I think as the church, we uh, only talk about sexual sin and sexual addiction in the realm of spirituality when there's far more to it and we need a, uh, a whole, uh, whole orbed approach to attack this. And so um, there is, uh, Lisa, if I'm correct, your website has a diagnostic test, is that right? So a preliminary diagnostic test can be found on Lisa's website. And so if you are dealing with pornography, I suggest that you take that diagnostic test or set up a meeting with a counselor like Lisa and, and you'll go through a more extensive diagnostic, right? That's the first step. And then you can determine from that diagnostic, and this was a question we got last night in one of the panels, is, uh, is everyone that looks at pornography addicted? And from a clinical definition, I would say no, not everyone is addicted from a clinical standpoint. And so there are varying degrees of uh, pathways then, right? And so if clinical addiction is determined through the diagnostic, Meeting with a counselor and walking through that clinical recovery process alongside everything I talk about today is important. All of that is necessary. Otherwise, you're probably not getting out. Um, now, if not clinically addicted, there are levels of uh, how much this has shaped who you are that mean that there are levels of uh, accountability that you need. So what I'm going to share with you today is, uh, is sort of uh, several years of me processing this in my own life, my own story, some of the things that came out uh, in my own dealing with pornography and coming out of it, and then also in counseling others, but then also how we are structuring um, some of the accountability groups that we've talked about. All of them are going to include these three things, gospel, community, and discipline. But there are varying levels to which uh, depending on where you're at in that, is necessary. Does that make sense to everybody, right? And so I think at the very base level, these three things, gospel, community, and discipline, need to be a part of your life if you're going to move out of really any sin, um, but in particular pornography, gospel, community, and discipline. And so then from there, there are varying levels of uh, from uh, accountability groups to professional help that are going to be necessary along the way. Okay, does that make sense to everybody? 
All right, gospel, community, and discipline. So these three things need to be a part of our lives. So uh, I'm going to fly through this pretty quickly, but the reality is that uh, oftentimes in the church, our accountability centers with two of these things. Okay? You see how they overlap? So if you have only two of these things, I will argue that you will not actually see any victory. And this is what these look like. Uh, I nicknamed this guy Guilty Gus. Guilty Gus has community and discipline, right? He's got a community around him, and he's working hard. But he feels guilty all the time and never sees success. Authentic Ashley. She's got the gospel and community. She, uh, this is the accountability group where everyone gets together and be like, Hey, man, did you look at porn this week? Yeah, I did. Did you? Yeah. Well, Jesus loves you. See you next week. Right? Anyone ever been a part of something like that? Yeah. Yeah, I think we all, all can attest to that, right? So there's authenticity and there's forgiveness, but there's no actual discipline. There's no actual growth, right? And, and this is where I think, right, the church, we, we say this often that we want to be a hospital for sinners and not a museum for the righteous. Amen to that, right? Amen. However, if you go to the hospital with a broken arm and leave the hospital with a broken arm, it's not a hospital, Right? Right? So we're actually seeking wholeness in the church. And so if you're not actually pursuing wholeness, then, then, then it's not a hospital. And so we have to actually pursue wholeness. Uh, so this guy is the most common, righteous lone ranger Randy. Um, he's got the gospel and discipline. He doesn't need to tell anyone it's me and Jesus, right? He's a good Protestant. He doesn't confess to another, right? I, I confess to Jesus only, right? I don't have to confess to a priest. Uh, but he actually doesn't see any growth or development. He doesn't actually get out of anything because he can't do it on his own. What we're looking for is a freedom fighter, right there in the middle, pursuing freedom. <laughs> yeah, a Rambo freedom fighter, that's right. So, uh, so Guilty Gus, I, I talked about him, right? He feels shame all the time, can't ever actually get out of it, can't ever actually feel accepted. Sorry, I got to go through these quick. It's my own doing. Um, so i got to make up for it. Um, so, Authentic Ashley, we talked about this. No strength to stop. Right? I have no strength to stop. That's how she feels. And Righteous Lone Ranger Randy eventually feels burnt out and tired because they can't hide it well enough. Now, the freedom fighter sees the seriousness of the problem, confesses the problem, has multiple friends that provide gospel accountability, feels forgiven and also empowered by the gospel, and moves from shame to strength and experiences freedom. Okay, so, um, so an example of a freedom fire comes from Nehemiah chapter 4. I'm not going to read the whole passage. I'm going to summarize, right? We're going to do the paraphrase version. Uh, not the message paraphrase version, the Josh Hollowell message, or uh, paraphrase version. So here's what's going on with, uh, with in Nehemiah 4, right? So Nehemiah is a book about building a wall. Right? It's a book about building a wall that the people of God have been exiled. They're trying to come back. Nehemiah hears that the wall is torn down, and that's a huge problem. Right? So the wall is torn down, and the, the problem with that is in an ancient city, your wall is super important. Right? It provides protection. And there's two consistent issues in the book of Nehemiah. One, they're being attacked from outside forces. Okay? There are enemies seeking to destroy them. And the other is the people from within keep going out and sinning, right? And so the problem in Nehemiah is they keep marrying foreign women. Now, the, it's, it's not an issue of race or ethnicity that is the, the, the problem. It's an issue of worship. 
right? These women don't worship their God. And so uh, God knows that men follow the God that their women worship. And so this is a consistent problem throughout Scripture, right? You do not, uh, you're not unequally yoked, right? You are to marry within the household of God. Uh, and so these men keep going out and marrying foreign women. So the wall is really important for two reasons. It keeps the people of Israel, Israel inside safe from their own devices and keeps them safe from outside attack. Okay, does that make sense? Outside attack, inside sin. And so the problem is that they can't actually build this wall fast enough because they keep getting attacked. And so Nehemiah comes up with a military strategy that is genius. So this is Nehemiah's military strategy. And, and I'm not going to read the passage because I'm just going to summarize. But essentially Nehemiah's military strategy is this. Our God is going to fight for us. We will be strong and courageous and our God will fight for us. But here's how that will happen. What I'm going to do is in the weakest areas of the wall, I'm going to station soldiers. They're just going to stay there. And then all of the men that work on the wall, they are going to carry a brick in one hand and a sword in the other. We're going to build the wall slower than we would if we were just building with two hands. But we're ready in case an attack comes. So i got a brick in one hand and a sword in the other. Okay? And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to station a guy with a trumpet along the wall. And anywhere that there's an attack, you tell the trumpet guy, he's going to blow the trumpet, we all drop our stuff, and we run over, and we fight. Okay? And then we, we attack that enemy, and then we go back to our work. And also, none of my soldiers are taking off their armor. No one's taking off their clothes when they go to bed. We're leaving our armor and our swords strapped to us until the wall is built. Then we'll return to normal... Uh, Protection. We'll return to a normal way of protection. But until that happens, we've got to be really intense about this. So the reason I point to Nehemiah is not because I think we should build a wall around new life right now, right? And get out there and build the wall and protect us, right? But in the new covenant, right, we are, the the people of God are dispersed into all the world. It's not located in a national people, right? And so because of that... Nehemiah has great implications for us around our spiritual development. Jesus has called us to be in the world, but not of the world. We are to be in the world, but to be protected from the world. You see that this wall represents our sanctification as the people of God. Our protection from the enemy's attacks and from our own sin within, which causes us to go out and sin against the Lord. Does that make sense? Right? So this wall is built, uh, this wall that's built, it represents our sanctification before God. And I want to suggest, if we are to be serious about real accountability in all areas of our life, but in particular this morning around pornography, we ought to have a military strategy. Right? Lisa talked last night that this is, this thing that we're fighting is a dragon. It is. And that means we have to have a military strategy to fight it. If you think that pornography can be casually fought, you have already lost. We need to come up with this military strategy. And this military strategy to fighting this this spiritual warfare includes a brick in one hand, a sword in the other, a trumpet blower, and our God who will fight for us. It includes... All the pieces that we're talking about. 
gospel, community, and discipline. Gospel, our God will fight for us. The reality is you do not have the power in and of yourself to conquer this. You must rely on God. He does have the power to conquer. Community, we need to station soldiers in the weakest areas to be protected. And also we need a trumpet blower that when, when an attack comes, I call other people to my aid. That will blow the trumpet for me and will come and we will all rally and fight together. And I need real discipline. If I'm going to get out of this, I can't take my armor off at night. There's a season in which I've got to get really, really intense. I've got to have a battle strategy. One that builds positively my defenses, right? Which means I've got to know more and more about a better pleasure to pursue the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've got to have a strategy for when an attack comes from Satan. What am I going to do? Do I have a battle plan? If I don't have a battle plan, I'm done. It's over. So, so I've got to have that, right? We've got to have this military strategy. So I'm going to walk through what this looks like. Gospel. First, we must pursue a better pleasure. Friends, the reality, I said this last night in, all of our, in our panel, and all of our panel members were like, yep, yep. Pornography is not really about sex. Right? It's about something that we are medicating in us. Something that, some way in which we have allowed a dysfunctional pleasure to rise up within us. Something that we're not actually bringing before the Lord Jesus Christ and seeing Him as our ultimate pleasure. Which is why, as has been said over and over again, if you think a relationship or a marriage will solve this, you are wrong. Because Jesus has to be the one that solves it. If you go into a marriage thinking that a romantic sexual relationship will meet your deepest desires, you will ruin your spouse. They were not made to meet your deepest desires. Jesus was, is for your deepest desires. Jesus and him alone. Friends, we have, as the church, we have bought a cultural lie that says that you cannot live without sex or romantic relationships. But we follow a Savior who never had sex and never had a romantic relationship. If that doesn't shape our sexual ethic, we are kidding ourselves that we're following the sexual ethic of the Bible. We have to actually wrestle with that. Like, could Jesus really be my best pleasure? Like, could I actually be single my whole life? Because Paul says that's a blessing, and we in the church call it a plague. And that's a problem. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying marriage isn't a blessing. It absolutely is. But it's not guaranteed to every Christian. Absolutely not. And God has done you no wrong if he doesn't grant that to you. Jesus must be our highest pleasure. And that work of understanding the gospel in that way takes community and takes time it takes time deeply rooting ourselves in the in the gospel we need to break the cycle of shame with the gospel we've talked about this cycle of shame a few times this is how it works 
we have some sort of trigger, and it's either a desire or some sort of pain we experience. And um, I, when I first started talking with guys about pornography, I didn't talk about these things as often. Uh, my advice was more like the gospel, like pursue Jesus better. You're not loving Jesus enough. Read your Bible and pray. Like let's. And, and now I think about it a little bit more holistically, right? So I ask questions like, hey, when does this happen? Are you like really stressed and tired? Are you eating well? Are you sleeping well? Are you, do you know that our bodies are physical and spiritual? Like, we're physical and spiritual. So much of Christian spirituality in the church today is so Gnostic. It separates spirituality from physicality. But God has put those two things together. What we do with our physical bodies affects our spiritual life. What we do with our spiritual life affects our physical bodies. So if we are consistently stressed and tired, we are more likely to sin. And so one of the ways to be godly is to exercise and eat well and sleep well. Like that's an exercise of godliness and really important. And so, so, so these triggers might be that. They also might be painful experiences. Experiencing rejection, experiencing being unloved. Oftentimes those who run to pornography, myself included, I realized after this, that this was an issue of not feeling accepted or loved. And buying a cultural lie that sex was the, the height of joy and experience, joyful experience, and then not being able to receive that, and feeling rejected and unloved, made me pursue something without fear of rejection, where I could just take it, and it could be granted. Dealing with those triggers is really important. So, so a trigger happens, we use porn, and instantly there comes shame and guilt. This feeling of now, now I'm damaged, I'm alone, I'm dirty, I'm shameful. Who would ever actually love me now? Who could love this? Look at how broken and shameful I am. Man, I'm so perverted and wrong and, and evil and all these things, especially now that I know what I know about pornography and its exploitation of others. And what that does is say, well, I give up. I feel all this pain. I'm just going to go back into it. And it's this downward spiral where it spins out of control and you can't get out of this shame cycle. It's the trick of Satan to shame us, to cause us to sin more. Friends, what you need to know is that the gospel frees us from guilt. Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay for every sin of pornography use. There is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He didn't die thinking, well, you, you're sort of good, but oh my goodness, I didn't know all this. He on the cross experienced the wrath of God for every sin you've ever committed, you will ever commit. He loves you. And if you are in Jesus, if you've repented of your sins and are placing faith in Jesus, he loves you even in your porn use. In that moment, it does not change your position before God. You are a son or a daughter of the king. 
you are freed from guilt. Right? This is crazy. We don't believe the power of the gospel because, and, and here's how I know it, right? We're afraid to confess our porn use to other people, but we say we've confessed it to God. What? Do you know the holiness of God? You feel totally fine confessing to a holy God who could wipe you out, but not to your friend? That means I don't think you understand the holiness of God or the reality of forgiveness. If you are really forgiven by a holy God who has wrath against sin, if you're really forgiven, then you are freed from all guilt that anyone else could level against you. If every one of your sinful thoughts, if every one of my sinful thoughts was projected on this screen for all of you to see, that would not change my position before Jesus. If that's true, you are freed from guilt. There is no more guilt. There is no more shame. You don't have to feel that kind of guilt and shame. You are free. You are free. And that means I can abandon this cycle. The gospel can abandon this cycle for me. So I need to break that cycle of shame. I need to know the gospel. I need to know that I'm forgiven. And I need to know that I'm empowered. The reality is sometimes we think about the gospel only in terms of forgiveness. You know that the gospel is about forgiveness from my past sin. Right? Empowerment against my present sin. And freedom from my future sin. Right? We will exist in a place one day with no sin. We are forgiven from all of our past sin. And right now, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us to, tell, to say no to sin. Right? Before Jesus, you can't actually say no to sin. In Jesus, you can say no to sin. We've got to know that aspect of the gospel, which is experienced through the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to talk about those things. We need to pray, read our Bible, get connected to a church. Like, all of these things help us, right? Again, we said this last night, there's no silver bullet to this. It's like a lifetime of knowing that you're forgiven. It takes a lifetime to know that. It's continued development and growth. All right, community. Pursue gospel accountability and get a trumpet blower. Break the loneliness cycle with community. So, so what we need, mean by gospel accountability is folks who believe this about the gospel and love you. If you have folks who only will shame you or only will talk about your problems or only think through all of the reality of how to block your computer and make you feel less than human, that's not gospel accountability. It needs to be people that love you and love Jesus and point you to Jesus, point you to forgiveness, and also will get in your face and say hard things because they love you and won't lie to you. They won't tell you, no, 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 it's totally fine. They'll tell you the hard things. You need that. You need real accountability that will do those things. You need someone that will blow the trumpet for you. That will People that you will contact when, when things happen that make... It's hard to fight against this. You need those people that you can contact in that moment who will pray for you and gather with you and fight these things together. You need to break the loneliness cycle with community. Right? If one of the ways 
If we could actually short, right, so feeling shame and guilt, we can short circuit that cycle. But if we could short circuit it at the beginning, that, wouldn't that be awesome? The gospel frees us from guilt. Community in our life together can free us from this initial cycle. So much of pursuing pornography together is because we don't live life into community with one another. Right? The lie of our culture is that we can pursue through pornography intimacy. Intimacy is what we're all longing for. A place like when God creates Adam and Eve and, it, and brought them together and says that they were naked before one another and not ashamed. This is before the fall. That's what we're all longing for. It's to be totally known by other people, totally exposed before them, and loved. That's what the church is meant to be. This community of people in which we love one another and do life together. And so part of fighting pornography is like doing real life together. Right? And so if I am, uh, I've told guys this, I will walk you through, counsel you through pornography issue. But, but part of it is, we'll meet for a few times, but if you don't do a few things, we're not meeting anymore. Because we're wasting both of our time. And one of those is some sort of accountability group. And one of those is some sort of non-accountability, community-building, life-together group. If you're not in life together with people, I'm sorry, but I, I can't see you getting out of this. You need other people who you share life's joys and sorrows with. We're just not meant to be isolated from one another. And so you've got to pursue community together. All right. Do life together with people and get professional help. That's a huge part of it too. Like I already said, there is zero shame in seeing a counselor. There is zero shame in, in pursuing professional help to get out of this. It is a, a, a picture of strength and humility to go see professional help. Very important. And they are very well trained and very helpful. And I cannot recommend them highly enough. Discipline. Okay, one of the things we got to do is starve our old pleasure. If, if you're going to do this, uh, you have to actually think through effectively how and when does this happen and how do I remove the opportunity of looking at pornography, right? And so here's the thing. We can think, there are the moments of like sudden temptation attack where we're like totally caught off guard. That's not the typical way it happens. Right? The typical way it happens is like, I know where I go, I know what devices I use, I know, like, we just know these things. So, so figure out ways to get those things out from around you, right? You need other people that have your computer password. You need other people that have your phone password. You need to shut things down. You need to install accountability software. You need to install filters. All of those things, right? I have very little respect for the person that says, now, I'm pretty strong, Christian, and I don't need those things, right? The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble and opposes the proud. You cannot expect to fight pornography usage, which is hard enough, when you're proud and God's opposing you, right? You can't fight sin in pride. Admit in humility that you need help. I have tons of respect for men and women who decide, I actually can't be on my computer in my room. And it sits in a public place in our house, dormitory, 
in my house. Or actually, not at all. I go to the library to use the internet. So I have to be forced to be in public. I've shut down my phone, so all it does is actually what a phone was meant to do, which is call people. Novel concept. Uh, But I've shut it down so it doesn't do anything else so that I have to avoid these things. I have immense respect for people who fight this in that way. And this is what it takes. This level of discipline, right? For a season. The idea is not that you would be that way forever, but your brain needs time to recover, and you need time to build up defenses like the wall. Nehemiah did not, his plan was not like, hey guys, get ready, 40 years, this is what your life is like. No, that wasn't the plan. The plan was, let's get really intense, get healed, and then we can be healthy. Like, actually healthy. You know that's possible? To live actually in a sexually healthy way? That's possible. And we can do that. We have to have a real plan. Okay, so action plan. We need an action plan. That's where this fits in. What am I going to do? Do I have it written out? When I'm tempted in this specific way, this is the thing I do. Maybe as I go for a run. Maybe, I mean, it can be non-spiritual thing. If, if your action plan is I'm going to go read Jeremiah, you're probably not going to succeed, right? Because that's probably not what you're going to want to do in that. You need to have a realistic action plan, which is like I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to call these three people. I'm going to go whatever it is, right, to get yourself away from that, to starve out your old pleasure. These three things together, community, life together, discipline and action plan, and the freedom from guilt from the gospel is incredibly powerful. This is where real life is found. This is where you can actually walk out of these things. Small steps are really important. Um, and celebrating small steps, dramatic steps, meaning I'm taking it very seriously and doing dramatic things like shutting my phone. Um, don't put it off or use a relationship to fix the problem. We already talked about that. Um, super, super important. Um, and from this, then we can actually seek justice and help others and pursue the kingdom together. And so, real quick, what I want to say is, we talked about it earlier, this is the structure we want to use for these accountability groups. So the Every Man's Battle accountability group that we're going to be starting, uh, we will be meeting somewhere here uh, someday. We haven't figured out the details of it yet, but we are uniting actually with a group uh, out of Indianapolis, a group that uh, Kristen Carey, who was here last night, her husband started. And we will be listening to uh, a recorded uh, teaching from that uh, group and, and then having accountability check-in and, and doing some of those things. This is really like first step, very easy, no homework, just show up, learn, and be in community, right? The design of this is to get as many people as possible who are experiencing, as many men as possible who are experiencing this, uh, this is for men only, um, that are experiencing this to come and to, to talk through that. If you have more questions about that, you can talk to me. The next step up from that is this pure desire group, which is more intensive. It's a process and a program that goes through a more intensive thing. If you know you have an issue already and an addiction already, I recommend you going into pure desire. Also, above that step is seeking professional counseling. And Lisa 
is available here. Her office is in this building seeking professional counseling from her. Uh, Michael is also a coach um, and has other coaches a part of the Living Truth Ministries, and so there, there's another option. And so uh, if you fill out your blue card, we will get you those information, that information. Uh, but all through that are these three things woven, gospel, community, and discipline. And so please consider ways in which you can get involved in those things. And please talk to me afterwards if you have more questions uh, around that. Let me pray for us real quick, and then I think we're going to jump into our Q&A. I did all right in time, right, Bob? All right, not bad. <laughs> all right. Uh, God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you love us, you take care of us, and that you provide for us community, and that you've provided for us the ultimate healing through Jesus Christ. God, I pray that if anyone here does not know you, that you would awaken them to the reality of the gospel. And God, that you would be gracious to them. God, I pray that anyone here who feels ashamed, who feels dirty and beaten up before you, God, would you just wrap them with your love and tell them, I am pleased with you as my son or as my daughter. God, would you be gracious to do that? And Jesus, would you gain all glory and honor, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.